Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official American Madness Band Service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Hi, welcome to Stateside Madness. This is our first podcast. My name's Lori. And I am Polly. All right. So um, I think we should start off by uh, talking a little bit about ourselves. So, um, Polly, how did you get into Madness? How did you become a fan? Uh, some time ago, I suppose it's probably about 1983, maybe 1984. Don't quite remember, but... Um, I grew up in very rural Maine. I made a trip to a town that was large enough to have a record shop. And um, I'd asked the gentleman at the record shop for a Clash album. And he didn't have anything on hand. And he handed me absolutely and said, there you go. This is just like the Clash. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Uh, but nonetheless, that's what I went home with. And um, I've pretty much been a fan ever since. I, I didn't hear or see much um, from Madness until Our House came on MTV. And at about that point, I was pretty much sold. I was uh, a fan for life from then on. Well, cool. So um, you mentioned the Our House video on MTV. And actually, that was my first introduction to Madness was uh, MTV. I mean, I was a child of the MTV generation. And um, Our House, of course, was the big video that was on rotation in MTV, uh, like 82, 83, right? Same time frame as you. Um, there were two other videos I think they had in rotation, um, One Step Beyond and uh, House of Fun. Those were like the three videos that they always showed on MTV. Um, and then I never heard anything of them after that, right? I mean, they really, they only had really in the United States, which is where we're based, they really only had one hit, and that was Our House. And so I just assumed they broke up, right? You never hear from this band again, one hit wonder in the States. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until, boy, about 98 or 99, do you remember those uh, record clubs, BMG, Columbia House, all of those? I remember them well. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, I had to get one of my, um, you know, you get your 10 records as your enrollment selection or whatever. And or actually, okay, it was CDs. It was 98. Um, and I happened to notice that there was um, Total Madness. I think it was Total Madness. It was the American uh, compilation CD with all of the big colorful circles on the it. Pool, let me see. I think I found the one that ended up having the the pool cue billiard theme greatest oh. hits, I think is probably the first one I got of theirs. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, so this I forget one... the name of that particular one. Yeah, I forget too. You know, as soon as we log off, I'm going to think of it. But, uh, but anyhow, so <laughs> I, you know, and, and I got this CD and I, I'm, you know, there, I knew two of the songs on it, right. I knew uh, one step beyond and I knew our house. I was disappointed that house of fun wasn't on it, but I listened to some of the other stuff and I'm like, wow, there's some really, really good stuff here. You know what? Why didn't we hear this over here? Of course, I still had assumed that they had broken up because I think the latest thing on there was um, 
I don't know, like maybe eight, 85, 86. So I still assume that they weren't together. Right. And um, I don't remember what brought it about. Uh, I was uh, just doing a Facebook search and I happened across uh, the Suggs and Madness Appreciation page on Facebook. And I started digging a little bit further and I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are still together. They're still recording. What the heck, right? So I kind of fell down the madness rabbit hole at that point. Um, I ended up joining, there's a, a, a Facebook group uh, based out of the UK called Mad Chat, um, where I really met a lot of other fans, got to really get familiar with the music. And actually at one point, Mad Chat ended up making me one of their administrators. I was an administrator on Mad Chat for a few years. Shout out to the Mad Chat team, Brian, Steve, Robert. How are you guys? Um, but uh, yeah, so I kind of, it, it's weird. I really came to Madness very late. I, I say for the most part, I kind of did too. Uh, so far as getting really, really, really deeply into the band. I always had Madness records, always bought Madness CDs when I saw them around. And did listen to them, but um, about the time uh, Liberty of Norton Folgate came out is when I realized that they were still a band and still happening. And uh, even that caught me by surprise. I just happened to be reading in a music magazine, heard about it, thought it was interesting, a sort of concept album yeah. um, by a band that uh, has, had been some you know, decades in the past. Uh, I really thought it would be a sort of doomed project, but I said, I don't care. I'm going to find it and I'm going to listen to it. And I absolutely fell right back in love with the band at that point. And uh, since, since then I've not lost track of them or what they've been doing um, and have stayed pretty much in tune with everything that's going on with them. And I think that's a, a credit to them because uh, Liberty of Norton Fullgate really did um to me it's it's i thought it was everything that the band aspired to be uh witty clever melodic um and great storytelling so i i really thought it was fantastic i love that okay, album maybe too. that's for another podcast yes <laughs> oh we we're gonna have to devote one podcast just to norton fullgate i think because that's such an amazing amazing album but uh that kind of brings us to you know the idea of being american fans uh, we really don't get the uh, the information. We don't get the attention, I guess, that uh, fans in the UK get. Right? Um, I mean, like like I said, I thought they'd broken up just because I hadn't heard anything from them. So one of the things that we uh, have done here in setting up Stateside Madness is to kind of connect with other American fans and to kind of keep this information flowing, right? Absolutely. Um, Stateside Madness is a project that's just a little over a year old. And um, there were people in the Madness community in the UK that uh, when there was talk of a tour happening, they felt that it'd be a good idea to have an American fan, fan club, essentially. And uh, they reached out to me and asked if it was something that I'd be interested in. And I was blown away. Uh, I, of course, I said yes, and um, here we are. We've got five members working on it pretty well, and um, many, many more people have joined our Facebook group. And so this is a, the podcast is going to be a nice addition to that. And essentially, our mission is to do pretty much what you just said, uh, a place um, 
and resources for people to really connect with the band and hopefully connect with each other and stay very, very excited about the upcoming tour. And uh, we hope that people appreciate this podcast as a part of that. And so as far as what we plan to do for this podcast, I know, Polly, you and I have talked about this, but just to kind of let our listeners know. So we're coming at this from a specifically American perspective. As American fans, we kind of, there are things I think maybe we perceive a little bit differently. You know, sometimes it can be like in the lyrics of their music or, you know, things that come across a little bit differently, things... um, we're, we're looking at it specifically from that perspective. Um, some weeks, such as this week, uh, we'll do an album review where, where uh, Polly, you and I can do this deep dive into the album tracks. Other weeks, I, I'm hoping we can devote an episode to one specific member of the band. Uh, like maybe one day we would do, uh, you know, a, a day for Tamo and one day we would do a, a day for Betters. We do have, you mentioned the American tour tour that's coming up. We do hope to have some exclusive content, especially as we get closer to the American tour dates. Polly, do you know what the American tour dates are? I know they were rescheduled. Uh, in fact, I do. Uh, so it starts on May 26th um, in NYC and uh, moves on to Boston, May 28th. Uh, it'll be at the Greek Theater in Los Angeles on May 30th. And then they move up to Oakland for two dates on June 2nd and June 3rd. Uh, Somewhere in there is um, the Punk Rock Bowling Festival. Oh! I believe, would that be the 31st? I think so. That's Memorial Day weekend. So actually, I'm going to be at every show except for Las Vegas. Oh, wow. That's the one um, that I'm hoping to go to. And, well, that, that's good uh, because Stateside Madness is going to be hosting uh, pre-show get-togethers. Woo-hoo! And I'll be hosting many of them. And I think maybe you should host the Las Vegas one. Then, well, if that's where you're going to be. Well, you know, it, it for me, it, I have to travel. That That's a very, very long trip for me. Now, I, I made the, the trip last year to go see Duran Duran in Las Vegas, who we've never seen. Um, <laughs> and certainly, if I'm going to travel to see a band, it would be madness. So I'm hoping, you know, with uh, the COVID-19, I hope it's, you know, it's a, a thing of the past by then. I'm hoping that I'll be able to travel. I'm hoping I'll be able to go. So keep your fingers crossed, because I have never seen Absolutely. Madness live. I have never seen them live. They last played in my city uh, in 1983. Another, so uh, I managed to uh, see them in the UK. I saw them in Cardiff uh, on the Sound of Madness tour, um, and, which was fantastic. Uh, and I did that based on the idea that I assumed they were never going to play, play the United States again. So, uh, But I'm not disappointed. I'm happy to have gone there and happy that they're going to be in the U.S. All right, so um, a little background for uh, some of our uh, newer fans who might not know about the band. So Madness are a British ska pop band founded in 1979 in Camden Town, London. They're best known in America for their 1982 single, Our House. The band members. So we have Graham Suggs McPherson on vocals, Lee Thompson on saxophone, 
Chris Foreman on guitar, Mike Barson on keyboards, Mark Betters Bedford on bass. He's got a birthday coming up, Polly, in two days, I think. Uh, yes, I do believe so. You you be the resident uh, keeper of the birthdays. I'll, I'll trust what you say. Okay. All right. Um, and then we have uh, Daniel Woody Woodgate on drums. And uh, until fairly recently, we had, uh, I can never say the name correctly, Carl, 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 he goes by Carl, Cathal, that's Carl, Cathal, right? I do. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've always said Cathal. Maybe okay. that's me trying to inflect some, <laughs> some English tone into that, but I don't really know. All right. Well, Carl Smith, he also yes, goes by Ch Chaz. Chaz Smash. Chaz Smash. So yeah. he was on vocals, <laughs> vocals and MC. Unfortunately, he's no longer with the band, but we're still hopeful that maybe one day he might return. Yes, it's a it's a subject that uh, I don't know too many people know the re de real details of. Um, I, I always felt the way I heard explained, he left on good terms. And um, not a lot of the way of hard feelings, but nobody seems to speak much of, of whether he has plans to return or not. And I also want to add maybe that he uh, provided a trumpet along the way, too. Oh, yeah, band. you're correct. He, he did eventually uh, learn an instrument, right? When he started off, he was just kind of their, their bez, right? If you're familiar with the Happy Mondays, he was kind of their dancer and their hype man. But then <laughs> gradually, I gradually started contributing uh, and and uh, contributing songwriting and singing and and as you mentioned, learned the trumpet. I believe that is the I believe that's the story. Yeah. All right. So, um, Polly, you want to tell us a little bit about Work, Rest and Play, the uh, EP that we're going to uh, review today? So. Uh, I, I I know a bit uh, familiar with it. Um, it was a release this year for Record Store Day. I believe that was only in the UK. Um, however, this original release uh, was in March of 1980 on Stiff Records, the original label that Madness was on. Uh, it's four-track EP. It was produced by Clive Langer and Alan Winstonley, who also produced uh, One Step Beyond. And so this was released shortly after One Step Beyond. And I do believe it was an attempt to just reach a slightly uh, wider audience. And I believe also motivated a little bit by having it be um, eligible for a, the UK singles chart. And um, which it actually did very well on the UK singles chart. I do believe that the entire EP was listed as a single. I do believe it reached number six. And it was it was a success for them. I really got the notice and attention of people, and it was pretty profound building block in establishing Madness as a band and um, getting them that notoriety in England, which of course paved the way for everything else. So, and back a little bit to Clive Langer and Alan Winsonley, they uh, would have a relationship with Madness for some time and produced, I guess, very nearly everything uh, except for Danger Man. And they would also go on to produce a few other notable acts like Morrissey and Dexy's Midnight Runners. So that is what I know about work, rest, and play. 
Well, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think that uh, they produced uh, Two Rai A, the Dexys Midnight Runners album, which is actually one of my favorite albums. I love that album. So they're an amazing, amazing production duo. Um, I think we should listen to the album. What do you think? I think that would be great. Probably one of my all-time favorite Madness songs. I think it's possibly the best example of the early stages, the early years of Madness. Um, it really kind of encapsulates the vibe of these guys from Camden. You know, the nutty sound, the sort of uh, you know rascally, no good doer sort of street kid vibe. Um, while the content of the song necess isn't necessarily about that, the sound, I think, totally is. And um, it's just a fantastic song. It is still one of their um, featured live songs. It's a fantastic sight to see a floor um, of an arena with people bouncing up and down, adorned with fezes and all in unison to Nightboat. It is just a fantastic sea of red hats. It is by far a fan favorite of every concert. And to my knowledge, I think they do play it still at every show. Yeah, 40 years later, and that's still a staple of their live show. I think they usually end with it, don't they? Uh, I've seen um, the time I was lucky enough to see Madness. I do believe it came at the end of the set, one of the last three songs. And how about the video? What did you think of the video for that song? That's like, to me, that's one of the most memorable associations. <laughs> uh, I just... Well, I think they got lucky. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they scrambled to put that video together. And um, it lacks in production value, but 
um, it was of the era. Uh, it's yeah. not uncommon for a lot of bands to to really pump out a video. Um, because they they there was very little lag time between recording albums and putting albums out back in those days too. So everything was quite hastily done sometimes, and they certainly did it with that video. I actually haven't watched it in a few years, but what I remember most about it, of course, is the bouncing ball lyrics and how that seemed like a real throwback even in the early 80s to like 50s and 60s kids television. I, I thought that was pretty endearing. And uh, the other thing I guess would be pith helmets. Well, what a curious choice that is. Uh, fits with the song, but not something I suppose you'd, of course, see many people do. Uh, but yeah, fantastic video. Funny, you know, silly, uh, tongue-in-cheek, everything that the band um, excels at. It, it, I think part of the video's charm is it's just so laughably low budget. I mean, the, the green screen is terrible. I think at one point you can actually see the pyramid background through one of the shadows or something. But I, that, that's its charm, right? And it's the guys just being the guys. And they're, you can really get their personality. But um, I think I read somewhere that they were really heavily drinking during that set. And you can kind of tell as you're watching that video because they're getting a little bit more and more drunk as the, the video goes on. And at the very end... <laughs> At the very end, I mean, there's somebody's dog runs through the set and all kinds of just weird random stuff. But at the very end, there's like betters just crawling on his belly. And I think he is just so completely dry. I mean, he, he, had, he was just, you know, uh, in his late teens at that point, I think. But he was c clearly very, very drunk. Um, I, I, I think it's char it's charming. I, I love I love the video. Um, there's one thing that bothers me about this song, Polly. Uh, name it. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so the lyrics, right? You're dealing with an oarsman, right? Uh, the lyrics are about the, yeah. the, the oarsman rowing down the, the the Nile. But then at the very beginning, the two notes of the saxophone that's supposed to sound like a steamship. Why is, is there an oarsman on a steamship? Am I am I overthinking this? <laughs> I, 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 I you, you might be. You might be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I, I suppose the argument could be made that um, at that time, even at night, there's uh, a few different vessels on the Nile. So maybe it's not the actual, not the actual punt. Maybe that the. Uh, the oarsman is on. Maybe it's a, an adjacent ship. Does that oh. make you feel better? Oh, that makes perfect sense. Okay, thank you. You've put my mind at ease. Good. All right, do you want to introduce the next track? Okay, fair enough. So uh, track two on the EP would be Deceives the Eye. And um, I like this song, a fair amount of mischief going on with it. So let's hear a little bit of it. In the early days of my shoplifting career, you could safely say I was filled with fear. It was nail-biting work from the very start. But several good successes soon gave me heart. After a while, I could pick and look with these. Some shirts, some trousers, and a few LPs. No one ever stopped me, they didn't seem to care It sometimes seemed to me, yeah, there was no one there Then a fine summer's day, my mate telling me 
set off down the west end on our usual spree. Things were as normal for an hour or so. Then my nimble hands were a bit too slow. Two store detectives made a fast approach. One grabbed my jacket, Your the other grabbed my phone. So we took you at last. One said with joy, but after you some time, my life in the boy. Wow. Deceive the eye. I got to tell you, I really, really like this song. Um, the first thing that you notice, or at least the first thing I noticed, is uh, Betters' walking bass line. And that's that's very characteristic of Jamaican ska music. And um, if you know anything about the band, they're very heavily influenced by ska. So they've got that walking bass line. But I also think that this song, the opening line is to me, it's the most brilliant opening line ever in a song in the earliest days of my shoplifting career. It, I, I don't know what it is about that line. It's so completely unexpected and it works. And if you know anything about the band, if you've, uh, for example, maybe if you've read very recently, they came out with a, um, a, an oral history called Before We Was We. And Mike Barson, who's the keyboardist, was writing in the book, Shoplifting was something that me and Lee and Chris all did. A lot of shoplifting. I guess there was a feeling like nobody's getting hurt, you know? I had trouble with it at one point. And then he goes on to say that he had something like 300 records, but he never bought a record in his life because he had always shoplifted <laughs> them from record stores. And um, and it wasn't just it wasn't just Barso. Um, I. I Chris and uh, Tomo. Tomo actually, I think, was probably the big thief of the group back in the day. And he actually spent some time in a juvenile reform school called Stanford House. And that was actually the subject of another song, which we're going to talk about next podcast when we talk about uh, the One Step Beyond album. So what do you think, Polly? Okay, so what do I think? Um, I, what I like about Deceives the Eye is something... Um, that I appreciate about madness altogether is their ability to tell the story of where they grow up, where, uh, what life was like in the seventies and early eighties in, um, in, uh, in the UK about the economic depression, about, uh, you know, working class people and things like that, but they don't have to be direct or overly, literal about it it's more about the sort of painting a picture and having a running theme through a lot of their work that kind of describes that and uh, it's kind of, sort of sets the stage paints a picture gives you an idea of even somebody like me from a very very uh, different background from what they were experiencing uh it gave you a sense that you had a little bit of an understanding of what life was like in england at that time and it was profound and it's what most of um the, the entire punk movement is based off of is that the economic inequality treatment of people. And I really feel that songs like this are a reflection of that. And um, it resonates today, of course. I mean, these are things we still continue to talk about. And uh, yeah, I love that. It's a fantastic thing. They're much like the Kings in that way, really building on a theme of English life. And I really, really appreciate that. And, and it seems like it would be such a, a depressing subject, right? You're talking about, you know, um, uh, the, the economy and Thatcherism and all that kind of stuff. But it's a happy, bouncy song, you know? And the way they're presenting it is just very, 
matter of fact, like, you know, Hey, this is, this is us. This is, this is how we were. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, it should be about escapism a little bit. Um, the whole point is that the youth in that, that, that place in that time needed something fun to do. And that's how the stock sky movement or sky revival movement got started. Uh, club scenes, um, watch dance craze if you need to learn anything else about it. Okay. So, um, now if you were listening to this on the original vinyl and for you kids out there back in the day, we had these big vinyl records, right? That you had to play one side. And when the side ended, you had to flip it over to play the other side. So we're going to flip it to side two and we're going to listen to the young and the old. Uh, so the young and the old, a very endearing song, I feel, and something that would be a recurring theme in much of Madness's music. And this is really, to me, just a standard drinking song. And I find that pretty charming and pretty relatable, the concept that you might be tired, worn down, but by the time you start hanging out with your friends, throwing a few back, getting into a little bit of mischief, you start to feel a little bit young again. And it's certainly reflected in the lyrics and certainly reflected in the tempo of the song. And, and altogether, I think a fantastic early, early song for Madness. Dog, eggs, bacon, beans, and a fried slice. The next song, the final song on the EP, uh, don't quote me on that. associate with this song and i imagine this is probably true for you too is the beginning of the film the madness film 
madness, take it or leave it. Have you seen that? Right. I have. It's been some time, but I remember it. Yeah, because this is the very first song that's playing in the opening credits. So right away, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I hear it. But uh, the lyrics on this are really interesting. So this was um, written by Chaz Smash. Um, and this relates to an incident that happened in 79. So the band was being interviewed for the magazine NME, New Musical Express. And um, at the time, there was uh, the National Front and the British Movement. There were two organizations. They're very heavily kind of white power, skinhead type movements. And more and more of the members of these two groups were showing up at madness shows. They really were starting to have like almost an alarming number of uh, um, skinheads, racist skinheads at their shows. And so the reporter for NME was asking about this. And, you know, the band, they were still kind of, uh, new to the whole press thing and may, maybe a little naive. And uh, Chaz had told the reporter of NME, it's got nothing to do with us. We don't care if people are in the NF or the BM, so long as they're behaving themselves, having a good time and not fighting. What does it matter? Who cares what their political views are? And the, uh, the reporter just kind of kept pressing him and pressing him. And um, it really kind of got very confrontational. And um, later when this came out in the press, it, it, his comments were really kind of taken out of context and misconstrued as, you know, almost like Madness are supporting this white power movement, which they weren't. Um, the, the line, eggs, bacon, and beans, and a fried slice, that was actually from the same interview because Tomo, uh, uh, Lee Thompson, the saxophonist, he's also kind of the, the cut up, right? And he's kind of the, the tension breaker of the group. And whenever they asked him a question, he would answer with something completely random, like eggs and bacon and sausages with tomato sauce, please. Or how do you like your eggs? So that's where that came from in the song. That's that whole eggs, bacons, beans, and a fried slice, which I guess is a traditional Br British breakfast. So I hear, um, I think that that sounds like really unpleasant for a breakfast. I mean, I would rather just have a croissant or something, you know, I mean, beans for breakfast, really. But I guess that's a thing. So I'm not don't mean to be ripping on the British, just a little peculiar to my American tastes. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention about this is the writing credit on this. Now, I did a little bit of digging and I couldn't really find much. So if you look on the uh, on the LP, the song is credited to Peter Tosh in Chaz Smash. And Peter Tosh, as you know, Polly uh, was one of the whalers, right? A uh, reggae artist. And at the very end of the song, That's which right. we didn't, with, at the very end of the song, which we didn't get to hear, unfortunately, um, Chaz says, I'd like to thank, say thank you to Pete, Peter Tosh. So, um, but I couldn't really find out what was his involvement with this song. Did he actually co-write it? Was it like, were they sampling some of his music? Like I know you mentioned The Clash earlier. I know The Clash got a writing credit for uh, the garbage song, Stupid Girl, because they sampled the drum beat, right? So I don't know, I, I, maybe somebody, Polly, maybe you know, or maybe some of our listeners might know a little bit more and maybe they can, hit us up on uh, um, Stateside Madness and let me know. I really am curious to know what Peter Tosh's involvement was on this song. Yeah, I, I never learned that. And um, I don't know that I ever read um, uh, the liner notes or or anything on it to know or even understand that they had given Peter Tosh credit. 
And so I don't have an extensive catalog of uh, Peter Tosh's music, but I don't even recognize a similarity in any of the music. So I don't know that it's a case of whether he um, took the song, reformulated it. It was, it's kind of pre-sampling, so I don't believe it right. would have been that either. Um, yeah, no, I'd be curious to, to find out if anybody knows. Yeah. Hey, so Chaz, if you're listening, uh, come on for an interview for Stateside Madness and, uh, and tell us about Peter Tosh. Please do. We'd love to have you. Yeah. All right. So that's the end of the Work, Rest, or Play EP for Whopping Songs. Um, hey, Polly, what was your favorite song on this EP? I'm just curious. Sure. Uh, so without waffling a bit, uh, it's going to be Nightboat to Cairo. Um, I am not the type of person that always goes for the obvious and most famous uh, selection, but uh, it's it's to me clearly the most solid song. Um, and I love it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Nightboat is my favorite song. And I think I, most Madness fans, I think, would probably agree with that. Although I do have a special place in my heart for Don't Quote Me on that. Just because it's so nutty. You know, I, 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 I like that. It makes me happy. Um, so speaking of Nightboat to Cairo, I promised you a little surprise, Polly, and you didn't know what it was, right? Oh, Did you figure okay. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've, been, I've been figured it out. Okay. Well, I did a little bit of digging. And so it turns out there is a, a, a band in Israel in the 80s. And the name of the band is called Machina. And they did a song. Uh, now, I, I, I do not speak Hebrew. I'm going to slaughter this and I apologize in advance. Uh, Rakavet Leila Lekahir. Totally slaughtered that. But it's Hebrew for night train to Cairo. You, you, you convinced me. <laughs> okay, I've convinced one person. But uh, yeah, to, to any of our fans out there who speak Hebrew, I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway, so this it's a song called Night Train to Cairo. Uh, it's inspired by Night Boat to Cairo. And um, so this was on their first album, which was in 85. And uh, Machina actually are, are kind of a big deal in Israel. So um, would you like to listen to Night Train to Cairo by Machina, Polly? I think we should. I think we should, too. So here we go. I'm 
our first episode so is far in the so can. good yeah this is yeah. fun i uh it it is i am happy to do it i'm a, a novice to podcasting in fact i don't know anything of podcasting aside from that mark Marin television show so it's all new to me but i liked it well, and this is new to me too. Um, this is actually my first podcast. I went out and bought a microphone specifically for this. So um, you, we'll see how the production values are once I get through and, and edit it. So all our listeners out there, um, you know, please be a little bit patient. Um, so we're hoping to make this a regular thing. Uh, we're going to do another episode. And our next episode, we've decided we're going to do a deep dive into their debut album, One Step Beyond. I am looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Please check us out on Stateside Madness. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And I think we own statesidemadness.com, don't we? In fact, we do. And it's a fantastic uh, blog by our friend Donald Trull. And he is quite the authoritarian on madness. He knows much, much more than me. And I think you'll find his articles interesting. Oh, I love his articles. And also I want to give a shout out to Donald because he created our artwork that accompanies this podcast. So thank you so much, Donald, for putting that together on such quick notice. Looks fabulous. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, um, I guess, Polly, I'll see, I'll see you, virtually speaking, in two weeks. And um, everybody else, thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Good night.